2: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
1: The Cross of Jesus Christ. It is the most recognized religious icon on earth. A relic with mystical healing powers and the symbol of Christianity for over a billion believers worldwide. The true cross is an archaeological treasure without equal, but its journey through history has been so clouded with intrigue and legend that today, its fate is unknown. So does the cross, or pieces of it, still exist, and if so, can they be found? There are many who claim to possess fragments from this holiest of relics, but it's unclear if any are authentic. But now, startling evidence is emerging from the Holy Land that could bring the cross from the realm of faith to the world of science. And recently, a Turkish archaeologist announced a stunning find, potentially pinpointing the location of a lost piece of the crucifix. For 2,000 years, scholars, theologians, and armies have sought the true cross of Jesus. It is a quest of biblical proportions. And now, for the first time, we may have a prayer of succeeding. My name is Josh Gates. With a degree in archaeology and a passion for exploration, my travels have taken me to the ends of the earth as I investigate the greatest legends in history. This is Expedition Unknown. Welcome to Israel, a.k.a the promised land. Temperature today, 195,000 degrees, roughly. Searching for the true cross of Jesus may seem on the surface like a really daunting challenge, but it is also a missing object. And like any missing object, the best place to look for it is the last place it was seen. My quest is taking me into the ancient city of Jerusalem, the site of the crucifixion of Jesus. What he said. (laughs) The city walls stand 40 feet tall. They guard a precious parcel of land steeped in religion and coveted by empires for thousands of years. The old city of Jerusalem, there is nowhere in the world like it. It's one of those exotic destinations that looks exactly the way you think it should. It is a crush of humanity. It is a cacophony of sound. And the nexus for the world's great religions. So there's nothing unusual about seeing an Orthodox Jew passing a devout Muslim, or shops selling crucifixes mixed with yarmulkes. With so many religious tokens everywhere, if you can't find what you're looking for, you're not looking hard enough. Well, this is great. If you're looking for a gift, especially for the kids while you're here in the Holy Land, you can't beat the crown of thorns. Sir, how much for the crown of thorns? Twenty bucks. Twenty bucks? And what do I do with this? Am I supposed to Jesus. wear this? Yes, because I, Jesus wears it. Well, what? not voluntarily. Questionable religious gifts aside, Jerusalem packs a historic punch in very close quarters. Three of the holiest sites of the three major Western religions are all sitting in a space smaller than Central Park, and it isn't an easy coexistence. To followers of Judaism, no shrine carries more weight than the 2,000-year-old Western or Wailing Wall. It is the only remaining foundation of a temple platform that was once home to the Ark of the Covenant. Looming just overhead is the Dome of the Rock, one of the most revered locations in the Islamic world. That's where Doctrine says Muhammad made his ascent to heaven. And just a few steps away is my destination. This is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, though it feels less like a church and more like a small city in here. It is absolutely massive. It has a long and mysterious history, and it is also the single holiest site in the world for Christians. The church is home to the former tomb of Jesus, as well as the slab his body was laid on after he died. But there's something else here, too. According to the New Testament, the Romans crucified Jesus and two thieves on a hill named Golgotha. History then loses sight of the cross. But then, in the 4th century, the Roman Emperor Constantine, who had converted to Christianity, sends his mother Helena to the Holy Land. Her mission is to find artifacts related to Jesus. Armed with nearly unlimited funds and power, she leads an excavation under the rubble of the hill of Golgotha. Legend has it that she finds a buried cross and tests it by asking a sick woman to touch the wooden relic. When it miraculously cures her, Helena declares the true cross found. But today, you won't find the hill of Golgotha on any map. That's because the Church of the Holy Sepulchre was built right on top of it. When we think of the crucifixion, we think of a hill. And believe it or not, though it doesn't look like it, I'm actually standing on that hill. And this is the place where, reportedly, Jesus and two thieves were crucified. And 300 years after that crucifixion, Helena shows up and begins constructing a church on top of the hill. The church completely encases the site of the crucifixion, and the place where Helena unearthed the true cross. To find out more about the fate of the cross, and whether Helena's story is a myth... I've been granted an audience with an archbishop of the Greek Orthodox Church, who maintains the site. It's very nice to meet you. Welcome to the Holy Sepulchre. This is one of the most spectacular rooms I think I've ever been in. I think when many people who've never been here think about the crucifixion or the tomb of Jesus, they picture an outdoor space. They picture a hill and they picture a cave. For a first time person seeing it, it's very surprising.
3: Yes, of course.
1: Yes. Do we know how long it took Helena to find the cross? The one year. A year of searching. Yes. And once she finds the Holy Cross, what does she do with it? She cut the crosses
3: into three pieces. One piece is he left here in Jerusalem. And one part she gave to the monastery of Cyprus. And one part of the cross he took it back
1: to Constantinople. But did Helena really find the hill where Jesus was buried? I ask if there are any off-limits sections of the church. We have a lot
3: of uh, parts around the Holy Sepulchre. It's not uh, for the public to Is it possible to see those places? Yes.
1: To help me understand the history behind the Helena story, the Archbishop leads me to where she claimed to find the cross in 326 A.D. Underneath the Holy Sepulchre, we wind through seldom seen ancient passages and secret tunnels dug into the hillside of Golgotha. It just goes on and on. Making our way to the execution site of Jesus. Are we underneath the crucifixion site here? Yes. You know, when, when you're up inside the church and you see the crucifixion site, it's, it's very hard to see it as a hill. You don't realize the church has just been planted on top of it. Where did she find the cross? It was just a little down. So a little bit further down the hill. The geology here corroborates the Helena legend. But what about the small piece of the cross that she supposedly left behind in Jerusalem? Well, the archbishop has an answer for that, too. It's right here in the church. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow.
2: Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. plush, And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST.
1: In Jerusalem, on the search for the true cross of Jesus Christ, I've been granted special access to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. The archbishop here is about to show me a few staggering relics. These crosses are made out of brass and wood, but their real treasure is behind a layer of embedded glass. Inside are small shards of what the church claims to be the crucifixion cross of Jesus Christ. These are extraordinary. These are pieces of the original true cross. Yes, of course. Wow. Have you ever tested the, the wood inside the cross to, to find out age or carbon dating of any kind? Or, or has it always been inside the cross? Always
3: been inside. And would you ever have it tested? No, no. We believe that this is a Holy Cross.
1: Like the other relics here, this is an article of faith. So for the church, to even test it would be to undermine its power. Are there any samples that are not behind glass?
3: Yes, we have a small part of behind the glass, yes. And, And is it possible to see that? Okay, yes, I'll see.
1: Yeah? Just to be able to see these two crosses is incredible, but to know that there's a loose piece as well is really astounding. The Archbishop produces a small container and reveals a fragment of holy wood. I'm stunned when he offers to bless me with it. Bishop, thank you very much. welcome, God bless you. I do feel blessed, thank you very much. The experience of seeing and being touched by a small sliver of what could be the true cross is an overwhelming experience. But these tiny pieces will never leave the church and can therefore never be tested. Writings from Helena's time describe how she discovered the cross and broke it up into pieces. In the ensuing centuries, bits of the supposed true cross started turning up in churches from Europe to Africa to Asia, including the pieces inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. If they were all put together, there'd be enough wood to fill a ship, which means that many of these pieces can't be authentic. Instead, I need to look for some part of the cross that can be tested and dated. To do that, I leave Jerusalem and drive to Tel Aviv. If Jerusalem is serious, religious, and political, Tel Aviv feels playful, cosmopolitan, and carefree. Citizens here are less about temples and rituals and more about sun and sand. Welcome to Israel's other city, Tel Aviv is home to about three and a half million people. In fact, nearly 40% of all Israelis call Tel Aviv home. Hey, hey, hello. Come on, no respect. Maybe I should have worn my Speedo. One of the really strange things about the cross of Jesus when you think about it is that this is probably the most recognizable symbol in the world, you know? Each of us probably see Some representation of this cross every single day, on TV, on a sign, on a church. And yet, what do we really know about this cross? Do we know how big it was? Do we know what it was made of? Do we know where it went? I'm headed now to meet with an expert who might know more than anyone about the true cross of Jesus. I'm in town to meet with Israel Herskovitz, a professor of anatomy and anthropology. He's an expert on crucifixions and believes the reality behind the true cross is very different than the story we've been told. In thinking about the crucifixion, the thing that, just in researching it, that really surprised me is how little evidence there is for Roman crucifixions in general.
3: There is actually no clear description of crucifixion in any historical record.
1: The Romans were crucifying a lot of people. Millions. Much of what we know about crucifixions comes from artists' interpretations, many of which were painted centuries after the death of Jesus.
3: When it comes to the foot, you know... Usually what you see is one foot on top of the other. The nail is coming from here, between those two uh, metatarsal bones. I mean, almost
1: every painting of Jesus shows that. Every thing. painting, Yeah.
3: every painting. There's just one problem,
1: it doesn't work. Nails in wrists, hands or feet can barely support a body
3: and victims quickly pass out. If this would have been the type of crucifixion, the T-shaped. Then people would lose conscious in 25, 30 minutes. It's against the philosophy of crucifixion.
1: Right, the whole point is that it's supposed the to last a long The whole
3: point time. was to last it as
1: long as possible. Also, huge vertical crosses would have been difficult to hoist up, especially when you consider that Romans were crucifying as many as 500 people a day.
3: What it tells us is that the cross was not a T-shaped cross. The cross was an X-shaped cross. This is a dramatic revelation. If the Romans nailed or
1: tied people to simpler X-shaped crosses, as many historians now contend, that means the traditional T-shape displayed in every Christian church could be wrong. It also means that I may be looking for remnants of an artifact with a totally different shape than I anticipated.
3: Is there any evidence of a crucifixion? We have only one good evidence for crucifixion. One. Not just from Israel, but globally. One? Only one. Okay, what one. is that? I think this is one of the most important artifacts ever found in the world. A nail going through the hillbow. This is the only firm evidence of a Roman crucifixion.
1: That is amazing.
3: This specimen
1: mm-hmm.
3: is from the time of Jesus. This heel bone
1: is a big deal. It is the only physical remnant of a Roman crucifixion, and the nail's location in the heel suggests the foot was perched in an open position, and likely
3: on an X-shaped cross. We have a piece of wood between the nail and the heel bone. That's wood? It is is wood. What type of wood? It's an olive wood. <laughs> It's olive wood. It's olive wood. And you know that olive wood, according to Christian tradition, olive wood was used for making the cross for Jesus. I've just come face to face with a legit
1: 2,000-year-old piece of crucifixion wood. That gives me hope that historical fragments of the true cross of Jesus could also have survived to the present day. Well, thank you so much for, for showing it to me. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Armed with new knowledge, I set out to find a piece of the wood that both fits the Helena legend and can be scientifically tested. And I've just caught wind of a promising discovery made by a restoration team at a church in Bethlehem. If that name sounds familiar, that's because it's also the birthplace of Jesus. To check it out, I'm headed for Israel's West Bank territory. After a few military checkpoints… Just keep driving, just keep driving. I arrive in the ancient city of Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Why can't I think of any of the other words to that song? Not a lot of ox or sheep or wise men or heavenly angels floating around, but it does have a manger. In the middle of town is the Church of the Nativity. Like the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem, Helena commissioned this church during her trip to the Holy Land. Duck through a low arch, and you'll find yourself in the manger that most of us know from Christmas carols. And a recent discovery in this building has me wondering if there's a hidden link to the true cross here as well. I'm Josh. I'm Paolo. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks for seeing me. I really appreciate it. Paolo Guazzini is part of a team restoring the Nativity's roof and interior frescoes. Is this for me? Please. It's dangerous in here. A little bit. All right, I like a little bit dangerous. Okay. Let's go. Parts of this building are nearly 2,000 years old. It's a layer cake of history. And Paolo's team discovered something incredible beneath years of dirt and dust.
3: This was covered? It was uh, covered by plasters. Really? The entire surface.
1: And so what is the angel doing in the mosaic? The angel are moving toward the cross the true cross. That's right. All right, here we go. It's hard not to take the symbolism personally. I want to be moving toward the cross too. But Paolo found one more thing that makes me think we're not too far off.
3: This is very, very interesting. This is what we found below the plaster. Three crosses. How old do we think these bricks are?
1: These are cruiser period. They're really cool. These symbols were underneath the plaster layer. That's right. So whoever took the time to carve these, they knew they were going to be hidden. Right, right. Could it be that the three crosses represent Jesus and the two thieves who were crucified with him?
3: We are waiting for an answer from the specialist. We are studying the relation between these crosses and the entire story of the church. I mean, it is possible that this
1: was meant to be a marker for something. Yes. Uh, Do you think it's possible there could be something behind this wall? Could be. In a church as venerated as this, one can't just smash through a Crusader-era wall. But in time, archaeologists may scan the wall to see what, if anything, is hidden behind it. So watch this space. Keep me posted. Let me know if you find anything. Of course, I will (laughs) tell you. I'll tell you. Especially anything cross-shaped. Yeah. uh. (laughs) The Church of the Nativity remains one of Helena's lasting legacies. But her story and the journey of the True Cross doesn't end here. After her tour of the Holy Land, Helen ascends a large piece of the True Cross to the city named for her son, the Christian Emperor of Rome, Constantine. So I'm flying 750 miles north to Constantinople, or as we know it today, Istanbul. Home to 14 million, it is the largest city in Turkey, an urban jewel. The ancient and modern here don't blend so much as collide. Traffic spills down antiquated streets, shoppers clog historic bazaars, and regal mosques loom quietly above the hustle and bustle. This is the Bosphorus, this channel of water that cleaves Istanbul into two pieces. On one side, Europe, on the other side, Asia. And it is this division, this piece of real estate, that has made Istanbul one of the most valuable and strategic pieces of real estate in history. And in my experience, the mixture of unique geography, rich cultures, and tumultuous history can only mean one thing, seriously good food. I start things off with a regional specialty described perfectly by its name. Turkish Delight. This is effectively sugar covered in sugar. Oh, if you stand here, they just feed you. Can't resist. I may have eaten my dessert first, but that doesn't mean I'm full. Mussels. This is pickles in pickle juice. Oh, that's good. Boiling hot mini donut. Yep, that's happening. Of course, I'll need some coffee to top off those donuts. And for my money, no one does that better than the Turks. Turkish coffee, one of the last great inefficient beverages of the world. Miniature copper pots, burning hot cinders in an age when you can get a cup of coffee made by a machine. It's completely illogical and unbelievably delicious. So good. Hot, thick, strong. With caffeine and sugar pulsing through my veins, I've got more than enough energy to get back to chasing the true cross's path through Istanbul. At first blush, it may not make much sense to be looking for the most deeply revered Christian relic in a thoroughly Muslim country. But this city wasn't always brimming with mosques. It was once a second capital for a Christian Rome. Around the year 330 AD, the Roman Emperor Constantine makes a historic decision to establish a new capital in the east, and he chooses this city. People just started calling the city after the emperor, and Constantinople was born. A lot of old Constantinople is still here, it's just hiding underground. This is the Basilica Cistern, a magnificent forest of stone columns in perpetual darkness, a place where Medusa heads were used as decorations. 1500 years ago, these caverns supplied Constantinople with drinking water. And throughout the city, there are stairways and passages that lead down to other ruins of this Christian capital. But the biggest relic from Constantinople is sitting in plain sight, the Hagia Sophia. Built in the 6th century, it stood for a 1,000 years as the largest cathedral in the world. In 1204, a historian wrote that he saw two pieces of the true cross here as thick as a man's leg. Then, in 1453, the Ottomans took over and brought Islamic rule. Rather than level the place, they covered up the Christian imagery with stunning Arabic shields and converted it into a mosque. Some believe priests may have hidden the most important Christian relic of the Hagia Sophia somewhere nearby. And one historian thinks he knows where. Hello, Gaksal. Hello, how are you? Good, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Gaksal Gulensoy has been exploring Istanbul's underworld for years. In terms of things like the true cross, in terms of holy relics, do you think it's possible that the cross or pieces of it survive today here in the city still?
3: I will share a secret with you. There could be biblical relics hidden in passageways right beneath us.
1: Underneath us? Yes. Gaxel explains that we are walking on a crossroad between the three most important structures in old Constantinople. Behind us is the Hagia Sophia, the center of religious power. Right next door stood the Byzantine emperor's palace. Sadly, there's nothing left of it today. And just beneath us lie the remains of the Hippodrome, a horse racing stadium big enough to hold 100,000 spectators. When the emperor visited the horse races or the cathedral, no one ever spotted him arriving. Goxel believes the emperor must have traveled between these three important buildings by way of secret underground passages. So there must be tunnels. Yes. Do you think that it can be reached? Yeah. Do I want to see it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I want to see it. Okay, o zaman
3: hadi gidelim. Please. Yeah.
1: Gaksel believes that remnants of the Holy Cross are hidden here, and he introduces us to his team conducting the investigation. How are you? Nice to meet you guys. So this
3: is it? Yes. So what, yeah, what is this door? The, the door is... Uh, this part of the building uh, was used for keeping the horses. Uh, stables, you know. Right. Is it safe?
1: <laughs> the silence is telling.
0: <laughs>
1: Everybody got very quiet there when I asked if it was safe. What are the conditions like?
3: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I got it. Not safe.
3: <laughs> Not
1: safe <laughs> is what that's called. <laughs> we waste no time and suit up in caving gear. We also have paramedics on standby. And they give us emergency oxygen since the air beneath the hippodrome is potentially toxic. Whoa. Okay. Okay. Here we go.
3: Yes. Okay.
1: Whoa. Okay. Under okay. the hippodrome. Yes. Look at the size of this place.
3: Yeah. A right.
1: little wet. The question is how deep is that water?
3: It's maybe deep.
1: Okay. Right. Let's give it a whirl. Goxel and his team have already mapped part of the underside of the Hippodrome. We're heading along the curved outer wall toward the stables and tunnels they've never explored. This water is maybe the dirtiest water I've ever been in. It's literally parts of dead birds. All sorts of nastiness everywhere you step. So we have these little rooms that offshoot here. And they would have been stables, I guess, originally, for horses underneath the Hippodrome. As we check out each stable, it appears they're all dead ends. So we have to look to see if any of these connect out to any passages. Just as I'm getting the hang of walking in liquid bird flu, we hit a wall, literally. Thankfully, Goxel and his team are undeterred. Can so go, I, think, I think I got this. Hop, okay. They rig up a makeshift ladder, attach it to something unsafe looking, and I head up and over.
3: Right, I'm down. Okay,
1: coming down. World's sketchiest ladder, check. Okay, okay, I'm down. As I step back into the muck on the other side, something isn't quite right.
3: Yeah. One. Bad,
1: yeah. You can taste it almost. It's like, uh, I don't know if it's gas or a chemical or something, but it's bad. Uh, we should use masks. Masks, yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, here we go. This seems like the least fitting place in the world for the true cross. But these passages were once frequented by Christians and perhaps even emperors hiding from the Ottomans. Ooh, gets a little deeper here. Yes. Eventually, we reach the end of the curved wall, but haven't found any new passages. So we head back to explore the other direction. This area is promising because it's closer to the Hagia Sophia and the Emperor's Palace. Some old piping here.
3: Yep. Whoa. This, is this?
1: passageway of some kind. What
3: was this originally, do you think? It might be an escape tunnel uh, for the important person, like the emperor or his family. If we're looking for holy artifacts, tunnels like this that would have been obscured
1: from the general population are a great place to look. Um, Do you want to go first or second? With every step, I'm feeling a little wary that we're getting farther from the only known exit, and deeper into a very narrow, very dark, thousand-year-old passage. It never ends, it just goes and goes and goes. Follow me. Okay. After you. We're looking for some kind of opening in the ceiling, in the walls, or in the floor. And then we get a break.
3: What's he got? You see something? Another room. Can you get down into it? Yeah.
1: Let's see what's there. before I can squeeze down to reach Gok's cell, oh man, that's tight. it appears that he's made another find, a tiny opening in a sidewall it's a clean
3: breeze coming through the hole the air's colder here uh, yeah yes it's yeah a, it's colder uh, like a, a, a room room yes
1: can we see into it Unfortunately the hole is too small to see through and widening it could trigger a collapse so we decide to rig a makeshift probe. This tiny camera might just give us a peek inside. Whoa! This connects through to a bigger space. There's definitely a chamber back there. It's flooded. You can see the water line. It's hard to tell. It might go on underneath there. It's silted up, but I think it continues. You've got an unexplored room back there. Unexplored tunnel. Next time? Next time. (laughs) Yeah. You bring the demolition equipment. Okay. Okay. Hey. I'm <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. Okay. Nobody's been back there for a thousand years, probably. We've officially discovered a never-before documented chamber inside Istanbul's Hippodrome. But it will take months, or perhaps even years, to excavate our find. Hey, great job. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> oh. We're alive. <laughs> Only time will tell if the tunnels beneath the Hippodrome contain holy relics like the True Cross. And historic sources reveal that smaller fragments of the cross were splintered off in Istanbul to help establish new churches and spread Christianity. In 2013, an archaeologist leading a dig at a church in a small Turkish town made a monumental discovery connected to the True Cross. To find out more, I'm headed to Sinop, a town located on the Turkish coast, 300 miles northeast of Istanbul. Welcome to the town of Sinop. This is northern Turkey, as far north as you can get along the edge of the Black Sea. 2,500 years ago, this was a a Greek colony. After that, it was conquered by the Romans, then became part of the Byzantine Empire, and then the Ottomans, the Turks, and so on and so on. On paper, it might seem like kind of a weird place to look for the true cross of Jesus, and it would be. Except that just recently, archaeologists here made an awesome discovery. On the outskirts of town, I meet with archaeologist Gulgun Karaglo. Her and her team have uncovered the remains of the 1400 year old Balatlar Church. There's not one, but three cemeteries here, spanning more than a thousand years of history. Wow, really impressive sight. It's huge. So, you've been working here since, since when?
2: They start the excavations in 2010.
1: Wow. After several years of digging, Gulgen unearthed the corner of a stone box bearing a crucifix symbol that may have been used to hold a significant biblical relic. The find made news around the world, since many believed a piece of the true cross could be close at hand. So let's talk about this, this box that you discovered yes. here. Can you show me where you found it?
2: Tabii, tabii, yep. Back here? Yeah.
1: Please, I'd love to see it. As we make our way to the back of the site, we're walking further back in time. Finally, we arrive at the oldest structure here.
2: This is correct.
1: So this is where this box was found. Here. So other than the fragment of the relic box, did you find anything else in the pit?
2: Nothing, but we have recently found something pretty incredible nearby.
1: This is incredible. This is a burial, obviously, from from what year do we think, roughly?
2: 7th century. 7th century. God,
1: look at that. That is something else. This is a big lead. A prominent grave located near the spot where the mysterious stone fragment was found. And best of all, we're going to excavate it right now.
2: There's a second skull. Oh, look at and, that. Uh, and the third one. And another one. Uh-huh.
1: And this is this is not from the same skull as this.
3: No. Wow! Look at
1: that. How many people do you think are buried
3: I in here? I think four people. Four. Four people. Wow,
1: that is incredible. We continue excavating a family of four, but just as things are getting really interesting,
2: um, guys, we have to stop.
1: We have to stop. Why? Tea.
2: Tea, tea
1: time. Yeah. Tea time. <laughs> tea time. Sure. Okay. This isn't just a quick run to Starbucks either. Here in Turkey, tea is serious business. This is the greatest archaeological excavation of all time. It has bunt cake. I've never been in a dig with bunt cake before. You never saw this scene in Indiana Jones where he stopped for cake. They cut right past that. After our mandatory Turkish snack break, we get back to work, excavating a tomb near the location of a biblical box. And you think there could be more skeletons in
2: here yes. as well? Yes, uh, more people. you find something? Ah, interesting.
1: What is it? It's hollow? It feels like there's a cavity under it.
2: It's hollow, yeah? Yeah, yeah.
1: She wants to flip it? Yeah, sure. Okay, hold on. Ready? Oh, my Oh, it's hollowed out. It's not a stone, it's a container.:
3: Yes.
1: What do you think this is?::
2: It could be a container for a holy relic.:
1: Uh-huh. This is like the fragment you found earlier. Same idea.: Yes. This would have been used for something something holy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And do you think it could be for something like a holy cross?:
2: Yes: <laughs> I think this site still holds great secrets.
1: This is a huge find, a largely intact box that may have been used for a sacred burial or to hold an important Christian relic. So now the question is, what was inside of this? (laughs) So more work to do. Yes, Yes, more soil to turn. Who knows what's down there, yeah? (laughs) My mission to follow the trail of the true cross has taken me from the heart of the Holy Land to a former Christian capital and to the very edge of an empire. Along the way, I've been lucky enough to see closely guarded holy relics and stunning historic artifacts. I've been on hand to participate in the discovery of unknown chambers and major archeological finds. It's all given me a new perspective on the importance of this story. The cross is more than just an artifact. It's more than a symbol. To billions, it is a living promise of salvation. And whether you believe in its power, it's hard not to be impressed by the explorers who have taken on the most unknown expedition of all. The quest to reconcile faith with history. Could biblical relics like the True Cross still be out there? With so many exciting finds, I feel confident there's more to discover. And I, for one, feel blessed to have been invited along on the journey.